Ladies and gentlemen, I'm full of optimism. Einstein's theory of relativity. We're still seeing it quite well through that haze. He minus 37 seconds. The fight is going to equals MC. That all men are created equal. About the future innovation. And growing strength in the air. This is Finding Your Frequency with your hosts, Jeff Spinard and Ryan Treasure. It's time to speak up, share your voice, and hear from the thought leaders. Hi, everyone, and welcome. We're here today with John Siegel, who's the president and founder of The Perfect Companion. Uh, John is a board-certified professional with over 30 years' experience as a clinical psychotherapist. You can find out more about The Perfect Companion, which you can visit while we're having a conversation today, theperfectcompanion.com. And so, John, hey, welcome. How are you today? I'm doing really well. Thanks for joining us on the, on the show. Thank you, Randall. So, uh, why don't you tell our audience the story of The Perfect Companion, what it is, what it does, and what your role in it is. The Perfect Companion is a non-medical in-home care concierge concept company, and it was set up to match the individual skill sets and personality of our companion caregivers with the individual needs and personality of our clients. It was originally set up to give better quality of care and home care. So let's talk a little bit about families and home care, whether it's elderly parents or a family member. So what are some of the biggest mistakes that families make when they're dealing with a healthcare crisis in their community or in the family? What are some of the things that keep happening with their maybe aging parents while they're trying to hold everything together? Well, I think first off is really trying to figure out what kind of care that they need, whether it's in-home care, whether they're going to be in a nursing home situation, whether they're getting skilled care. There's a lot of senior care navigation, and it's usually done by an adult female who tends to be, in most families, the primary caretaker for their loved one. So when a crisis persists or something occurs, and they find their loved one who needs a different kind of care situation, they're going to have to make a decision as to what would be the best place. And a lot of times what occurs is families are not sure what that right place will be. Usually the client themselves wants to stay in their own home. And so um, having, as you said earlier, been a clinical psychotherapist, I was one of the few people who was certified to go into people's homes to do a lot of mental health evaluations. I would do psychotherapy for major depression, for chronic anxiety, for schizoaffective disorders, for bipolars. So when I would go into clients' homes, I got a really good idea of who they were and what may be the best alternative placement for them. So what happens is a lot of times this adult female, rather than just being a son or daughter, is the primary caregiver, and they really don't know what options they have. So it really becomes finding the best place for them. And a lot of our clients, because we are a concierge care service, we call ourselves the Ritz-Carlton Ladies and Gentlemen, caring for ladies and gentlemen, and that's following the Ritz-Carlton type of a model. What we're trying to do is match up the individual skill sets 
and personality of our companion caregivers with the individual needs and personality of our clients. So when you go into a home, what are some of uh, the communication strategies that happen? How do, you, how do the assessments happen of that person who's getting the care? So when we get a phone call, um, we're always trying to bond with the family and the client because, as I said earlier, a lot of the influencers or a lot of the family members are the ones who are going to be the decision makers. So we want to meet with them and we want to find out who the best possible person we can provide for them if they're looking for individual home care. So when we get that phone call, we're going to be doing a clinical care assessment on that individual. And that clinical care assessment will consist of a multitude of things from nutrition, from medication regimes, how they live on a day-to-day basis. But I developed a program called EIPPO which is education, intervention, prevention equals preferred outcome. So what we do is we will make an appointment. We want to know this family from a relationship basis. Our whole company is based on building relationships with our families. So what we'll do, uh, Cassandra, my clinical director and executive vice president of concierge care operations, her or myself or both of us will go out and we'll do a clinical care assessment. So EIPPO, what we do, if you can imagine um, when I go into a house in Scottsdale, North Scottsdale, or Paradise Valley, I'll usually be met with somebody at the door who will come with a walker, and they'll open the door, and I'll look in that house, and there will be uh, throw rugs there. And they have a walker, and the first thing I'm looking at is, are those throw rugs bandied down? or are they gonna fall? So fall risk for us is primary. It's always a safety issue we're looking for first. We may then go to the refrigerator and I may open up that refrigerator and I may look at the milk because we wanna check dates to see from a twofold standpoint, whether or not the individual has a support system, a family member who's checking on them on a regular type of a basis, or if they have a dementia issue, because a lot of times we'll find the milk will be in there for maybe a month or two. So we're always looking from a preventative standpoint, what are the safety influences here that we really need to look at? We'll go into the bathroom, we want to take a look in there, see if they have roll-in showers or grab bars, anything what we call fall risk and or from a safety standpoint. We'll look at things like urinary tract infections, UTIs, which get missed on a constant type of a basis. We're going to look at urinary tract infections. We're going to look at TIA, trans-ischemic events that occur. We're going to look at cardiac heart failure issues. We're going to look at one of the biggest things that we evaluate is medication contraindicators. So if we have a client, Cassandra and I, of course, both have clinical backgrounds, we're going to have a client maybe who has a cardiological type of an issue, and they may be on a beta blocker for that cardiological type of an issue. But if they have a major depression disorder, they may be on an SSRI, serotonin reuptake inhibitor type of a drug. Well, you're going to have a contraindication there. So we're going to look at 
their medication regimes. We're going to look whether they have Alzheimer's, dementia. There's so many things we're going to look at from that stamp. But we've had a referral from Mayo Clinic where the client was bipolar, manic depression, was on Depakote, um, had been on it for three years. The head nurse um, who referred could not figure out why the person was in a manic state. And the problem was that being on Depakote, um, they had not been evaluated for what we call a valporic acid test that would determine that that person would be stabilized. If they would be given that test every three to four months, the client had been on it for three years and nobody had checked that. So we look at certain things to really help the family where their eyes and ears from that standpoint. So EIPPO really allows us to be an educational factor for the family. If we come up with things that we can get involved with to educate the family, to help them navigate the senior care industry, then they can call their family practitioner, they can call their internal med doctor, the cardiologist, the psychiatrist, and then we can give them those appropriate questions they can ask. Because our whole goal is continuity of care. And anything we can do to do that from a home-based standpoint, that's what we're trying to do. There's another aspect, I think a very unique aspect of your business in regards to the matchmaking service for estate management. Why don't you talk a little bit about that area of Perfect Companion? So this is an evolving force as we speak, and it's really cool. So when I originally started the Perfect Companion, I was doing an evaluation in North Scottsdale in 2005, and I had a head nurse at Gentiva, which was a home health care company at the time. I think they were acquired by another company. Um, the head nurse, she had known me well, and she was really concerned about the quality of care that she was getting from the caregiving company. And at that time, a lot of the caregiving companies instill our franchise. They're a franchise type of a model, and they're really volume-oriented. I'm not going to say they don't. They're certainly not trying to build relationships. They're not spending that time to build relationships with the families. We spend a lot of time. And this nurse says, John, your clients trust you. Everybody knows you. Everybody trusts you. And you should think about starting up some kind of a boutique type firm. I mean, she really laid it out for me at that time. And I thought about it. And I had friends back east who had 13 Comfort Keeper franchises. And little did I know the law of attraction brought me into this because that night I went home and I I just happened to talk with my friend and he mentioned he owned 13 Comfort Keeper franchises. So talked with him, went back east and got to see what kind of model of care that they had. And I knew instantly this was the antithesis of a model I would want because it was people in cubicles, just talking to people, sending somebody out there. I mean, for me, it had nothing to do with quality of care. It was as many clients as you can get, as much money as you can make, and you have to pay your franchise fees too. So I wanted to set up a real boutique. And so it all came down to matching up the individual skill sets and personality of our companions with our personalities and needs of our clients. That's what I came up with because I could see these people really wanted someone who felt like they were part of their family. These are 
individuals who are used to being successful their whole life. They're captains of industry. They're people in the entertainment industry. We've had Academy Award winning actresses and actors. We've had sports stars. Um, and not that we just service those people, but those are the kind of people the referrals have come over the years. I kept coming back to this eHarmony model, this match.com type of a model. And being a psychotherapist, I used a lot of psychological tools in my practice, such as a Minnesota multiphasic inventory, a lot of personality testing things. And I thought, if there's a way that we can match up the personalities through some psychological tests and measures that we have, that would be a super way of doing it, rather than us doing it from a subjective standpoint. So throughout the years, we've been working on that. But as we speak, we have a company in the North Shore of Chicago, Highland Park, a really good friend of mine who I was a camp counselor when I was a young man, and she was a camper of mine. And it just so happens that she's been very successful as a clinical psychologist in her own right. And she's developed a company called Compatibility Solutions. And her company has been very successful with proprietary technology platforms in matching up college kids who are going to be roommates. And so we've approached her and the colleagues in her company, and they are gung-ho about building a platform for us where we could match up the personalities and skill sets and make that a really good fit. So we're in the process of that now. And we feel strongly about that because if you have someone who has a lifelong penchant for music or drama or sports, when we match up somebody, we just can't have somebody to go out and just, you know, take care of them in ways if they don't understand our clients. And that's been a big deal. A lot of the franchises I see really are not catering to the clientele. So from a technology standpoint, from a personality standpoint, that's what we're looking to try to do to differentiate us out beside everything else we do. And then from a hospitality standpoint, we've developed, as I said earlier, this Ritz-Carlton Four Seasons type of a model where we try to go that extra step or extra mile to try to give our clients what they want. So our caregivers are trained to be proactive. Once you know the routine of your particular client, we want them to anticipate the needs of their clients before they ask. And we train them that, you know, if you're going to the store, as I was growing up as a kid, I can't tell you how many times, and you probably had the same experience, my mother would tell me, did you check the dates on the milk? And so we try to train our people to, to get the milk that's in the back because that's probably the freshest. Are they going to get the frozen turkey breast from the freezer at the store, or are they going to get the freshly cut turkey breast that is at the deli? Things that may sound small, but to our clientele, it's very important from a niche standpoint that we get that right because they're looking for that quality in all aspects of their life. 
Well, that quality, as you said, is very essential. It's very important because you have spoiled food that may be interfering with medicine or it may put the person who's being cared for in a health situation. And I can, I can understand that. Tell me about when you have someone who's elderly and they have their children or caring for them in their home. Tell me about how that situation is different than a person who's being cared for living by themselves. What are the things that happen in that training the people who are, you know, like a husband and wife living with an elder parent? What's different about that situation in terms of your model and education and so forth? That becomes a really family intervention, the ability for everybody to have their roles in the family. A lot of times you will have a real, let's say, separation of church and state in a way. A lot of the people who we have who, if they do live in their homes, and we don't have a lot of those, but what we do, it's pretty much the person either is in a casita in the back or the children really don't have a whole lot to do with them. They really allow or they just have that person living their lives in their home. We have found that there's a lot of independent individuals who we have who really don't want their sons or daughters to care for them. But if they are in the same home, they want to make a separation there. So when we do that, um, the engagement will be more or less to make sure that their loved one is safe. We communicate with them, but we're always going to look at the situation as what does the client want first? Because some of our clients are so independent and they don't want to be dependent on their loved ones, that they don't always want us to even engage them. But it just all depends on that type of a situation. When we go into institutional places, um, we're in the higher end institutional places in Scottsdale, and we have an excellent rapport with them. Cassandra is the one who goes out there and she talks with the families and engages them in a life care type of situation where, you know, I think she can speak to that. She's really good at being able to engage the family members. And if we need to do things for the individuals, they will let her know that. What do you see as part of the next things that are happening in your industry? There's a lot of things. I mean, I haven't mentioned... I got a call one night late at night from the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas a couple of months ago, and a gentleman looked me up on LinkedIn, and he said, I think your company would be a perfect fit for us, and I didn't know what he was talking about, and he said, we are in the process of building a caregiver a robots. And this was a gentleman from Calabasas, California, who happened to be one of the innovators and founders in iRobot. And him and his colleagues had started a company called Labrador Systems. And they were engaged with Amazon and Amazon Alexa. And they thought, based on uh, the model we have, that we would be a really good fit for them to test out robots in their home. And when they say robots... A lot of companies in my field might be afraid of that, but we're not because we know we build relationships with our clients and the robot is not taking the place of what we do. We build relationships. We do all the clinical part of things that robots can't do. But what the robot can do is the menial tasks that our caregivers may do now. So, um, We are in the process of working with them. I know that we were 
going to be invited to this Remars thing in Las Vegas in June, and there was going to be an announcement made about us teaming up with them. But now with COVID-19 pandemic, we really don't know where that stands. So I think robots could uh, really could have a place in caregiving in the future to be able to do those kind of tasks that don't require a caregiver to engage, but I think it could be used as an adjunct from that standpoint. So there's, you know, there's a number of things, as you just mentioned, from a telehealth standpoint. I believe that in the future, and especially what we're going through now, a lot of businesses are going to have to change the models that they do, and you're absolutely right, like we're talking on Zoom right now. You know, a lot of office jobs may be gone. A lot of people, commercial real estate jobs might be gone. I mean, the whole industries may change into doing a lot more work at home, e-learning, colleges. I mean, I don't know what colleges are going to do. College, it'd be so much easier to do everything like we're doing it right now on the internet. So I think there's a lot at play there. And um I really think that technology is going to play a role. So from a telehealth standpoint, what I envision for us is what I call a pod mod. And our pod mod is to have a social worker or nurse or healthcare person who for every, say, 10 to 15 clients can monitor their care in home. And whether it's through Skype or whether it's through Zoom or whether it's through any kind of telehealth uh, model of care, that care can be transitioned from hospital care, inpatient care to outpatient care. So I believe strongly in that because I think the pod mod is the way it will go. So we can do all the multidisciplinary things that we do in home. Um, We'll be able to do that instead of really having to visit them all the time, which we do. We can do that through Skype. And we actually have a technology system now where we have a family portal on our technology platform where our families can actually, they can see what the caregiver is doing with our clients, our caregivers document on a daily type of a basis. So they can actually interact with our caregivers and they can interact with our families. So I think a lot of it will go to a technology base. Well, things are certainly changing in there. One of the big areas of change is going to be at-home services, where I'm sure your company will remain at the forefront. So we've been talking with John Siegel, the president and founder of The Perfect Companion. And you can find out more about John and everything we're talking about today on his website, which is AZ, like Arizona, azperfectcompanion.com. And you can email uh, them at info at azperfectcompanion.com. John, thanks for being with us today and uh, having this chat. Thank you, Randall. It was a pleasure. I hope you have a safe day and a safe week. Thanks, John. And thanks to all of you listeners out there who are tuning into this program. And we'll see you again, I'm sure, real soon.